black women are the first stakeholders in this book. And so long as a black woman tells me that they feel visible in this book, then I know that my work is done. Welcome to PageCast, a podcast series brought to you by Jonathan Bull Publishers. By interviewing the authors responsible for some of your most loved books, we explore the thoughts, ideas, emotions, and creative processes that led to the writing of these books. If you're a reader with a zesty interest in people and stories, do stick around and enjoy what PageCast has to offer. In today's episode, Roseanne McKenzie, TV and radio presenter, will be chatting to aesthetician, author, and all-round trailblazer, Deja Ayudele, about her latest book, Black Skin. Enjoy! Deja, it is an absolute privilege and a pleasure for me to be able to speak to you about this incredible book that you've written, Black Skin, not just as an author, but as a pioneer of the needs of Black people and Black skincare knowledge. And you have been an absolute trendsetter on many fronts in that respect. So I'm fangirling a bit. I'm going to try to fangirl a bit <laughs> throughout the podcast interview, but it is an absolute pleasure and a privilege for me to speak to you. I think where I'd like to start, Deja, is you said the book is me on paper. So how do you start putting all of the knowledge and expertise that you have garnered over the past number of years that you've been in the beauty industry and at the forefront of all of these developments, a lot specifically with black skin. How do you put yourself on paper? Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to, to be talking to you today. In, in regards to how do I put myself on paper, one of my many frustrations sometimes can be social media you know makes makes the world seem a much smaller place a lot of people tend to ask me for advice on social and it's very difficult and and can be very unprofessional to give advice on social media when you know you don't know the person mm. you, you don't know their history you don't know anything about them and you know is it to, to just sort of go oh well okay go and use this instead or go and do this it's very difficult and it's not something I do so I really wanted to you know, explain that uh, on paper, as I did in the book. But also, I wanted to sort of download all of my knowledge. And, and literally, that's, that's what it was. I, I literally just sat down and said, okay, what do I know? And how can I put that on paper? How, how can I commit that to, to a book? It's so funny, because um, I actually used one of the consultation forms that we have in clinic, in, in my clinic, Western Aesthetics, I, I literally had the consultation form in front of me. And I also had the questionnaire that we ask clients to complete before they come to an appointment. And that was literally me downloading my clinic brain. I would look at all the questions. I would look at the consultation form and I would say, OK, what do I say when people ask me this? What does this information tell me about this? How do I in person help someone mm. with their skin and their routine? And how do I tell them that, you know, when, when I'm, how do I normally speak to people? And that's literally what I did. It, it was literally like going through a consultation form and, and the consultation notes because the two things go hand in hand and saying, right, I, I'm going to commit this into a book. 
and and that's the best way I did it and then obviously after you've done that sort of core bit you then you know you you then look around and and you think to yourself you know what are the other kind of questions that people ask me what what are the people most concerned about and then I I filled out the rest of the book especially with the chapters about teenage skincare you know skincare for children male skincare um you know what to do when you're getting married for example I I filled out all those other sections after I had literally um, committed to paper my clinic consultation. The timing of the book, I think, is particularly important. I think there, and and you address a lot of this in the writing of the book with the, the sections on our history and, and the kind of politics attached to our skin as black people and as black women. And we are going to get into all of that because mm. that's a lot of the juicy stuff that I really would love to talk to you about further. But why would you say that it's so important that this book has come out now, Deja? It was now or never. Mm-hmm. I think um, we've been building up uh, to a crescendo um, within the beauty industry, you know, demanding and asking and working collaboratively for more diversity and not just diversity, but also inclusion. And I think this was the right time after the the, the horrific murder of George Floyd and the Black mm-hmm. Lives Movement, what would now be, what, a, a year and a half ago, almost two yeah. years ago this year. I think it was time. People felt bolder and, and braver mm-hmm. to have these conversations. And I know that for me and a lot of people in my circle, it's it's not that we've not been having these conversations. We, we've always had these conversations and, and I personally have always had these conversations with different beauty brands and skincare brands. But it just felt like at this point people were actually listening you know you know, you know it's uh, you say things all the time people get used to you saying things all the time but yeah. I think the George Floyd incident was the sort of the gavel that you know hit the rock and it was like no now you must listen and now you will listen um which is why I think this was the right time because you know this book is three years in the making yeah so so three years ago this book would not have had the reception it's had if we hadn't unfortunately had these incidences that made people sit up and not just obviously black people but but white people people from all demographics sit up and say actually there's a there's a point here and we do need to take it seriously i absolutely love about what you said is that now the the kind of platform is there and that people are now ready to listen and in the book in the forward especially by caroline hirons she says in 2017 deja majestically stepped into the skin arena and said if you won't represent us and you don't talk to us or let us sit at the table not only will we make our own table but we will put it in our own house and i'm even now rereading that getting goosebumps at the sense of the importance of being at the table and the importance of feeling like what you are saying is not only being glossed over, but it's actually being heard and people are relating to it. And that as an author for you has got to give you a kind of a special feeling, I guess, of pride and and just a feeling of accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's funny, you know, um, Black Skin Directory will be, I don't know, well, five, five in February. It's, it was four in February this year, but it's five next year. And, you know, I I don't 
I very rarely sit down and, and take a look at everything that it stands for and it does because you know I'm, I'm always like I've only just started I actually haven't <laughs> even done the things I I have dreamt up to do yet I've literally just started but to obviously to hear Caroline's words that's the first time someone's ever sort of read those words back to me um a quick confession is that I never read Caroline's forward wow uh, <laughs> I, I didn't read it I mean she's a good friend of mine uh, she's one of my you know I didn't read it because I didn't want to get emotional um, so I didn't read it so it's the first time that's I, I have glossed over it since the book was published <laughs> but it's the first time I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that particular line yeah. um, you know when I look back yes you know I, I have done some some very important work in in the industry in in speaking about diversity, but not just about diversity, but also about inclusion. I always say, you know, when it comes to diversity, a lot of brands are doing diversity. You know that they're 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 having much more a variety of faces around the table. Absolutely, but are they truly including those faces? I don't know. Yeah. Um, which is why I've always said, well, you know, we'll we'll just we'll just build our own. We'll build our own. <laughs> table we'll do it for ourselves you know we're not we're, you know we're not incapable um yeah. but there is a sense of achievement but more than the sense of achievement it's from per there's a personal sense of achievement yeah. but for me it's more about the achievement for us actually yeah. not just for myself personally I've always said that when it comes to beauty and skincare I work in the industry I can I can navigate for myself mm. So, so this book isn't about me. Black Skin Directory isn't about me. It's about actually helping other black women navigate an industry or an environment that they may not be familiar with and an environment that's never truly catered for them. So that's what it's for. So my, my sense of achievement is actually more for community pride. The woman down the road who, whose life is slightly easier yeah. as a result of this book or as a result of the work I do. And and that ease of life that you're speaking about now, it's basically the the issue of access. And access yeah. to this information is key to to being able to take better care of our skin. But one thing that did come across in very strongly for me in the book, and I related to it so much, is your use and inclusion of black skin and its history and black skin in relation to socio-political developments all around the world, whether it's looking at slavery in the 1800s or it's looking at skin lightening in South Africa in the 50s. You just encapsulated all of that stuff in the book in between all of the kind of hands-on how-to guide for your skin. Yeah. This book <laughs> is like a combination of a coffee table book an educational manual and a how-to book. And like, it's not something you want to just hide, but I also don't want to share my copy with anyone else because, you know, it's got so many important things in it. So how did you manage to find the balance in the writing process to have all of those elements in this one book? For starters, I I know that I didn't want to write a skincare book. Like I always say, you know, how to wash your face. We already have enough information about practical skincare. That's not running out of fashion. So I wanted to write something that was different and something that was meaningful. You know, I, I absolutely love history. And I wanted to make sure that educational aspect was in there, not just for us, 
but also for for the skin therapists for for our allies i wanted people to be able to understand when a black woman says oh i i can't find this or i didn't see an image of myself in that advert i wanted our allies and when i say allies i mean white people <laughs> to be able to understand where that is coming from when yeah. someone says say something like that in 2022 I want them to understand that that's coming from 300 years ago. This is a system, a systematic structural system that is now currently being dismantled. So I really wanted to paint that historical picture so people could see, like you say, the politics and they could see the journey and they could understand the anxiety. Because I always say when sometimes I meet some black women in my clinic and you can see it's a palpable relief that they have when they see me. I have people who call my clinic and, you know, they won't see anybody else. They won't see um, my junior esthetician, for example. My junior esthetician is white. She knows so much about skin, all types of skin, black skin, white skin, all skin. Um, They won't see her. We have people who will say on the phone, who will ask her, are you black? Because black women have this anxiety that they only want to see another black woman because they feel that that's where the understanding lies and sometimes it's a cultural understanding as well I really wanted practitioners who are not black to be able to understand where that anxiety comes from I have white clients who don't have trepidation I talk to them and they'll say things like oh I heard about this new treatment I'm really excited to try it the same treatment Uh, a black woman will say to me oh I heard about this treatment you know I'm not sure if it's for me our skin it's political it's the first thing people see it's how we exist in this world and and a lot of the social constructs of how other people perceive us in our black skin are lived out by us. And that could be another reason for where that kind of trepidation of a non-white person working on your skin could come from. We we already within our community have issues of colorism, right? That we have issues where the lighter you are, sometimes the more attractive you are seen to be. Your skin comes out into the world before anything about you, whether you are elderly or young, whether you are gay or lesbian or binary, your skin is the first thing people see. If yeah. you are not presenting that in a way that makes you feel comfortable, your participation not just in the enjoyment of skincare your participation in life in general becomes more limited i want to talk a bit Deja, about the images in the book they are so striking they are so in keeping with the tone of how the book is presented how the book is written what was your approach to the use of the imagery in the book and how involved were you Um, I don't think the picture editor who worked on this book had ever met anyone like me. (laughs) Over-involved. I was, yeah, I I mean, I took the imagery in this book. I took it as serious or if not more seriously than I took the words. I wanted a book that was uplifting. I wanted the images to be striking, to be uplifting, to represent all types of of black women. I remember sending an email at two o'clock in the morning going, we do not have an image of a bald black woman. I want an image of a bald black woman. But you know, I'm not the sort of person to just say I want. I went and I hunted it down myself. I remember saying, you know, um, I need an image of a woman with a scarf, with a headscarf. I need black Muslim women represented in this book. 
we've got too many light skinned curly hair black women. I want some Afro hair black women in here. I want some dark skin black women in here. I want men in here. But I was very involved. I didn't just say these things. I actively became a picture editor myself. I, I cannot emphasize and underline enough how particular I was about the representation of black women and black people in this book you know when we when we have books that include black women it's usually your light-skinned you know very loose waved curly hair maybe mixed race black woman the beautiful cafe au lait and i'm like no 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 no. we need mocha chocolate in here you know there's a few images in there where they are personal friends of mine i was super super involved and again i felt like i would have failed black women by producing a book that was the same cookie cutter imagery that we're used to seeing presented of black women right because it is your name on the book so it's got to be a reflection of what your thoughts are and what your beliefs are so even the the images that are depictions of skin conditions they are still beautiful pictures and you just want to look and you just want to spend more time just enjoying the visuals. Absolutely, incredibly well done. At the end of the day, for me, black women were my, you know, they're my primary stakeholders. There's lots, there's many stakeholders in my book, but black women are my primary stakeholders. And that feeling of safety, of being mm-hmm. visible, of being represented was key to me. I mean, I have an eight-year-old daughter, I have nieces and, and, you know, in the back of my mind, I want them to have something and see themselves. The way that you have written the breakdown of the different products that are available, the different skin conditions, skin type versus skin condition, the way that you've broken down concepts that for someone who doesn't have a background in beauty or dermatology or whatever the case may be, is so beautifully simplified. Favorite line I think in the book is, black will crack if you're slack. That is just such a prime example of how you've used language to make all of this information accessible. Was that difficult for you to take your expertise and make it layman's terms? No. Um, You know what? I used to actually think that was a hindrance to my progression in the industry. The fact that I don't speak scientifically. A few years ago, I realized that actually that was my strongest, one of my strongest (laughs) points was the fact that I don't speak scientifically. Yes, I can read scientific information, but the fact that I can then translate it into what I call plain English Mm. was key. For most people, they want to be able to pick up the book, turn to a page, go, okay, okay, okay. And then go to the shop and buy what they need. Social media is great for access to information, but Is it always the right information that people are getting? Um, I mean, short answer um, is no, but I think social is great for signposting. I think at the moment, especially because we had a lockdown, everybody became a content producer and the information was so much. And obviously, we're all human, right? So even as practitioners, we sometimes have different opinions and different views. So when that happens, if you're following five practitioners that you really love, but they have different opinions, the only person that suffers is you. Yeah. Right. Because you're trying to take on five different people's opinions on what you should do with your skin. So there's an overabundance of information on social media. I think it's great for learning the basics, inspiration about products, definitely. But I don't think it's so great when people take on all the information and try to apply it to themselves Mm -hmm. without nuance. 
that there isn't a kind of a one size fits all. Get the information, but make sure you speak to an expert who's going to guide you as to whether that information is actually yeah. suitable for you. I want to stay on social media. And I think also with certain people who've got a massive following, maybe put themselves out there in terms of not telling people that they've got a filter on their face or not not sharing the truth of how they got their skincare to be what it is. So they've got this beautiful, flawless, poreless skin and everything is great. And you wake up in the morning and your skin is textured. Your skin's got dark marks. Your skin's got very visible pores. So how would you say that people should kind of take that kind of posting on social media with a little pinch of salt? I think, you know, I think that's very difficult because, um, again, that perfection standard is there. But I always think you have to ask yourself, what is this person's agenda? Um, You know, if you have an an influencer um, talking about product or whatever, always, you know, double check. uh, Is this a paid or sponsored post, perhaps? Mm -hmm. Um, Most most influencers I know are very, um, uh, what's the word? They... um, they're very conscientious. Yeah. So they're going to give you their their true experience and they're only going to talk about something if it's suitable for them and mm-hmm. they liked it and they enjoyed it and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes there are people out there who are just doing this for the payday, right? Yeah. So you need to you need to be aware of that. And and I think social has the, has all these uh protective measures in place you know if someone's using a filter it will say at the top they're using a filter it, yeah. you know you have to declare when you're doing ads and all that sort of stuff even I have to declare if I've got if it's an ad that I'm doing or it's a paid partnership or anything yeah. like that I've got to declare all of that I treat social media very much a bit like a magazine mm. when I open a magazine a luxury magazine right I'm looking at it going I am five foot five I am size 16. I, you know, I, for me, it's great. I look at it and go, oh my God, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful bag, beautiful clothes, beautiful model. But you know, the minute I get to the back and I close that magazine, I'm done. I post real and I post filtered fun photos whenever I feel like it. You know, social is a drug for some people. It's an addiction and, and it's very difficult to break off it. Um, but I always, in my practice, in my work, I always emphasize realism. You live it, live in the real world. Black skin will hyperpigment, right? That's just, that's just how the skin works. Even if you have white skin, it will hyperpigment sometimes. It will hyperpigment. You will get, your pores will be visible because that's just how the skin works as well. Your skin does produce oil. Stop trying to make your skin do things that it doesn't naturally do. So I always say to my followers, I say to my clients, I give tough love. I'll give you the real and I'll give you the tools to improve the appearance of your skin. But I am not going to give you the skin you had when you were three months old. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. In one of the chapters in the book is focused on men and skincare. So would you say at this point there is a more easy adoption by black men specifically to take care of themselves and to invest in their skin? Yeah, I'd say definitely. I mean, it's nowhere 
it's, it's, it's nowhere near where it needs to be. Like I said in the book, I think if there's one demographic that's even more left out, uh, especially in skin, it's black, it's black men. But I think it is improving. I think it is changing. Absolutely. I think black men are being drawn into the conversation and the narrative more and more. Black men have never yeah. been spoken to in skincare, right? No, I remember adverts from th- places like Clinique many years ago. They have the male skin version. You know, they have all of that. And it was always a white model. Yeah. So so black men have been widely left out of skincare for a long time. But that is changing, which is, again, why I wanted to have a, a section for black men in the book. Deja, your background isn't immediately as someone who went straight from school to university to start to work in the skincare industry. Your background is quite varied. Can you tell me if that has impacted the way that you see your skincare business? Absolutely. I I left I left school, I went to uni and then I went into the financial sector for a few years before I started working in skincare. I'd always had participated in skincare and the beauty industry and makeup and all that sort of stuff but I I hadn't made it a career it wasn't it was only until the financial crisis that I thought I'm going to make this a career I I look at everything with a return on income return on investment (laughs) uh, (laughs) kind of glasses so absolutely um, I mean I, I love skin I love the community aspect I love the tribal aspect of skincare I love seeing black women get together and the stories we tell and the and the laughs that we have I love all of that but I'm also very conscious that for me to be able to provide a platform for these kind of gatherings to happen for me to provide access to this knowledge for me to do all the things I do in the name of community I do actually need to make money as well For me to do all those things that bring black women together and elevate black women within skincare, which is my which is my absolute purpose. Sometimes it's like, okay, I might not get a profit, but I want to break even so Mm. we can do something. And it's not necessarily going to make us money, but it's going to bring women together and it's going to educate and it's going to talk about skincare. And we're going to have black women in the room and I'm going to break even. That's fine, too. Right. As long as I know I have other things in the pipeline that are profit making I don't mind a break-even event that that doesn't bother me one bit so I always have to 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 and even sometimes when it's like well this isn't this isn't going to make any money I there are other markers of success for an event or or any initiative It's, it's not just events but any initiative and sometimes it's it forces me to actually think much more creatively that Okay, if this if there's no return on investment here, how can we do this without a big investment so yeah. that we don't lose money? I want to go back to the writing of Black Skin, Deja. What were some of the biggest challenges that you experienced in writing the book? And then was there anything new that you learned about yourself in the writing process? For me, I guess one of the biggest challenges was probably that the the imagery piece actually yeah. was 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 making sure that I felt I had a good bank of imagery that was representative of all black women and all types of black women. Another challenge, I guess, which was probably more psychological, was the reception. Is this going to land the way 
I've envisioned it landing, you know, um, <laughs> are black women going to love it, I guess? Mm. Are, are they going to feel part of and are they going to feel involved and all of that? That was very, very important you know to me so I guess I spent a long time you know worrying about it like my book wasn't announced until the very last moment it could possibly have been announced because yeah um I remember I, si- I signed my contract in October 2020 and I I wouldn't let the publishers announce it until <laughs> July 2021 they were like DJ this is if we don't announce your book nobody will buy it no retailers <laughs> no around the world nobody and I was, I just sat on it. No one knew I was writing it. I just sat on it because yeah. again, it's that fear of, oh my God, is this going to land how I want it to land? So that was the, the words in themselves. That was easy. It was the sort of in my own head challenge that, that, um, was, uh, was key. And I guess one of the things I, I did learn was about my need for control, <laughs> how much control you have to give up. Wow. So the the myths around black skincare, obviously there are so many. Did you feel almost like there are so many that need debunking? There's not enough space in the book to address all of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's new, I hear new things all the time. I, I, hear, I hear so much. And I'm like, who told you that? Like, like where did you get that from? So you know if we were going to do that right we would be right that chapter would be so much longer and I didn't really want to try and go down that road so I kind of just chose key ones that I know were always being circulated and I and I went for those instead because otherwise you know there are so many myths all the time and you know a myth can start because just one person has a bad experience with something then all of a sudden they decide that that's not good for black skin all of a sudden that person don't no no that's not good for black skin it's not good for our skin you know and I'm like but who told you that because you didn't and I always say to people a lot of the time when people have a bad experience with a product it's usually down to user error and not the product (laughs) people don't want to hear that DJ of course no nobody wants it's a very unpopular opinion (laughs) (laughs) nobody wants to hear that but this is what I mean by real talk tough love sometimes you know you know you've seen a product on social media and you've gone I'm going to use that and it's a completely wrong product for you and you use it and you're like oh this product is bad it's like (laughs) no (laughs) the product is not bad you made a bad decision (laughs) did I want to say in closing I just wanted to say thank you so much for giving us the time and sharing your amazing interesting personality with us like I mean it comes through on the book in reading the book but because it is you on a page now that I've met you (laughs) I am absolutely blown away by the path that you are carving within the industry and in within the world I don't think that this book is only about skincare I think it's about so much more and for me as a woman of color it's spoken to me on so many different levels And I actually have another quote that you're going to be quite embarrassed by that I found in another (laughs) interview that you did. And I want to actually get this printed on a T-shirt. And it it was a podcast interview that I found on YouTube. And you said, put yourself in places that you may not believe you belong and learn about those places. And I think that's going to stay with me for a long time. Because if you... 
if you don't think you belong somewhere, you, you're not going to give your best self to that situation. But if you go in there and you think that, okay, maybe I'm not going to belong here, but I want to see how this operates. I want to see how this works and how I can fit in. That is going to stay with me for a very long time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, that's absolutely my pleasure. That's one of my uh, favorite things to say and favorite things to do um, because I think there's many places where you, you don't see yourself and you you feel that you need some sort of permission to go there. Yeah. And I always say to people, you have every single permission to go anywhere you want, go in and find out, um, but don't sit on the outside and make this decision that you don't belong when you've not even necessarily tried. Um, because you might find that when you go to that place, it's a very accommodating place and they were maybe looking and waiting for someone just like you to turn up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, that is a great quote. Yeah, we should put that on a T-shirt, actually. Who do I speak to about this? Where's the management? <laughs> Who, who's on management here? Uh, we should get out of the T-shirt. No, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you. Um, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it and I appreciate all your kind words. Like I say, for me, black women are the first stakeholders in this book. And so long as a black woman tells me that they feel visible in this book then I know that my work is done thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Pagecast. we have an incredible lineup of author interviews so head over to our Facebook and Instagram and follow Jonathan Ball Publishers to stay updated and in the know regarding future episodes thanks for your interest in the story behind the story happy reading from everyone at Pagecast. <laughs>